Hi, I'm Bill Gaither, and welcome to More Than the Music, a podcast where you can join me for conversations with some of the most interesting people I know. Each episode features a special guest who has inspired me in some way during my 50 years in the music industry. You'll meet incredible artists, writers, and comedians, sports figures, and other folks I'm grateful to call my friends. Join me now for this week's episode of More Than the Music. It's going to be good. One of the reasons we wanted to uh, start these podcasts is uh, somebody told me one time, said, well, you, got, you have a lot of interesting friends and characters uh, in your circle. And that's very true. And uh, I probably don't have a better friend or a crazy character in my circle than this sweet girl I'm talking to. And in full disclosure here this morning, I have to tell you, my daughter, Suzanne. Suzanne, how are you doing? <laughs> Hello. Good morning. <laughs> That's a pretty amazing uh, introduction to a daughter. <laughs> you know yes, what? It is. You know what is so funny about this? Uh, I I just came from the house drinking coffee, and, and Gloria said, "What are you going to do?" And I said, "I'm going to talk to Suzanne on the podcast." And she said. That's no different than you basically do every morning when you drink, you drink your coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, this is fairly routine, really. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be fun for the folks who, if, if, if there are some folks out there who wonder what makes this uh, old character tick, one of them uh, is, is, is the time that I can spend with my kids because they're Three of them, and all three of them are different. But one thing you all did, you grew up in a world, and you, and you grew up in a home where uh, words were important. Uh, from, yeah. From a very early age, you, that, that could be a curse to grow up in a home with, school, with two English teachers. <laughs> <laughs> you had no choice but to get acquainted with words pretty quickly. Uh, well, I think that was a gift. I, I mean, I, I think it, it encouraged something, I think, that was already inside of, of me. Well, me and Amy and Benji, all, all three of us actually in different ways, but especially me because I I kind of gravitated to the writing side of, of things more early, but I just felt encouraged. I, I had this memory the other day of, I wasn't the performer Amy was, <laughs> and I, I'm sure that you felt relieved when Amy came along and could sing. It's like, okay, no. No. we can take the girl <laughs> that, that actually likes to be in front of people. <laughs> but I remember mom would let me sit backstage in the dressing room while you guys were out on stage, and she would open up a, a book of, of photographs or paintings and say, why don't you write something about this while I'm out on stage? And I know it was to give me something to do, but it was like play toys for me. You know, that was an enjoyable thing for me. In thinking about this, I, uh, and, uh, and about sharing some of these, uh, uh, inward thoughts, I thought back at the time in, in, in my life, and you can probably add to this where, where the right words at the right time made all the difference in the world. I will never forget 
the Friday after the Tuesday of 9-11 in the National Cathedral, uh, all of the major people in our government uh, were there in this building, and there were three uh, uh, clergy, uh, three or four, uh, who spoke from various faiths. But I can remember Billy Graham, who was very aged uh, at his stage, and slowly getting up to the podium. And uh, he was like a father figure. And, and I, don't, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he had the right words for the right time to say to America, this is bad. And this is serious, but this is not the end. We've got to figure this out. And where do we go from here? With the, yeah. And, and it was just the the ability to put the right words together at the right time. And in all fairness, I'm sure he had a time limit. I don't think it was more than 10 to 15 minutes, but it was 10 to 15 minutes. Very, very powerful words. I can remember that I have a dream speech <laughs> Uh, it, it, when we taught school, we said, you, you know, you have to memorize this. I can remember the speech from Atticus in To Kill a Mockingbird, where he just had a time to sum up his case for this man who was falsely accused. And he had to find the right words to say at the right time. And I think early we said to all three of, your, uh, uh, of you kids, words matter. Yes, and how to learn to put those together. And you have two kids who are quite articulate and know how to do that. Well, I, th- I think words not only matter, but but words have power, and I think that's that's biblical. When, I mean, when you have Proverbs that say, gentle words bring life and health, and a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit, that's power. Or Or a person's words can be life-giving water. You know, wor- words have meaning, Words have purpose and words have, have power. And, you know, you, when, when you wield words, you wield the power. So I, I think at some point it's not only about trying to figure out what to say. Sometimes it's figuring out what not to say, <laughs> when to hold your tongue, you know, and trying to find that balance in life. You know, every time we think about communication, we usually think of somebody who, who has the ability to, to put words together and, and and talk. The other part of communication, and probably more important than what's coming out your mouth, is what are you understanding? What are you getting from the words they are saying, from the body language that they're giving you? That's deep stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I think probably the number one question, if everybody's honest, that they ask at some point in their life is, is anybody listening? (laughs) Yeah. Is anybody listening to me? Do you hear me? You know, and, and I think hearing is, is part of being able to communicate that you've really listened, that you have your finger on the pulse of something. And, and I think that's really important. I was thinking about today about this, this whole thing about words matter and, one of the things I think every artist questions, and I don't care if you're in in writing or if you're on a stage or if you're a singer or if you're a painter even, but I, I think in today's culture when there is just such a glut of everybody talking all the time, one of the questions that you always 
that I ask myself anyway is, does throwing one more thing out there matter? <laughs> you know, <laughs> is, is one more song or one more play or one more movie, does that really matter right now? You know, and you know what? I, I keep thinking of that line in the Dead Poets Society where he says, the powerful play goes on and we all may contribute a verse. And, and you never know which part of which thing will hit what person. And so, you know, at some point you just take the risk and you do throw some of your stuff out there. And if it sticks to the wall, great. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. If it doesn't hit anybody the same way it hit you, that's fine. But I do think everybody, I was watching Renee Zellweger the other night receive her Golden Globe, and she was talking about all of the people around her going, don't worry about being on the top. What's important is the work. What's important is the journey and the process. <laughs> Just keep, put your head down and do the work, you know. Because you, you do wonder, you want to have purpose, and you want your words to matter. And and sometimes you, I think in your darkest days, you wonder if they do. Let me read a little bit of a lyric and and, and stop me if uh, if I if if I'm going too long on on your lyrics here today. But your lyrics are so great. There is no stronger force that's heard than the power of the spoken word that can tear the toughest soul apart or reconstruct a broken heart that can bind in heaven and on earth or give a lonely man his worth, or raise the roof, lift the eyes, and draw the spirit to the skies. Here's the bridge. Words can cause destruction, and words can cause release. For hidden in the smallest word, there's love, joy, and peace. And here's the course, and I love this course. Words can move mountain. Words can change tides. Words can build bridges. Words provide. Words can change things, make things whole. Words move mountains in the soul. You know, good words or bad words. I think of somebody who's got in trouble in a relationship with a child or with your spouse or with your neighbor. In the heat of the moment, words come out that you would like to have back, <laughs> but it flew out, but it flew out before you had a chance, you know, and I often think in terms of that words got you into trouble and words are words. And I'll probably have to add yeah. this words and deeds will probably be your bridge to get you uh, out of trouble at any rate, good or bad words are powerful. They they are. I can't remember what theologian it was. It was somebody I read recently who said, when God spoke the word, it reverberated. And and in, in physics terms, it's still reverberating. Sound never quits reverberating. So a word out of your mouth continues to reverberate. And, you know, that... That puts a lot of responsibility on the shoulders of the speaker, you know, when you think about it. And i got to say that the person in my life that's taught me a really good lesson about that is my husband, because he always guards his words. He always is slow to speak. When he doesn't know the answer to something, he's always the one to say, you know what, let me think about that. And that's not my nature. I'm not that way by nature. I'm always like, whatever the first thing comes into my head, I just spew out. But he... 
he has taught me to take some time, especially when you're saying things maybe that even need to be said, but there's a way to say them that doesn't cause damage, you know, and, and he's taught me that. I'd, I'd have to agree. He, uh, Barry is very, very thoughtful and, uh, and maybe it's part of the, I'll never forget that one little phrase you use in a reading, his English reserve background, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Back, what, Virginia, maybe it's a combination of Virginia and English, I don't know. Uh, but whatever it is. Uh, and and he's one of the advisors in my life, you're one of the advisors in my life, where, where I go to and say, hey, here's where I am, uh, uh, help me think this through. What? And I guess I'm saying in some way, what what is a, what are the right words to frame this? Remember the teacher that was she still teaching when you were there? And I forget her name, but I taught with her at the high school when I was teaching. She was a most soft-spoken person. I. Mrs. Reed. Mrs. Reed. I would tell, yes. when I'd have student teachers, I'd say, now let me tell you how to do discipline. Don't watch me. Go down to Mrs. Reed's class. Yeah. And when you walk in there, she would be talking in this tone of voice. And, you, <laughs> and she had such command, too. She had such com- command of the world. And you've seen the homes where the mother or the father are yelling at the top of their voice, if you do that one more time, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, 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 and I must say something here, <laughs> word-wise, I might want to take back. I, I, I can remember with with Gloria, who has many more words than I do, probably on, on any subject, uh, some of our disagreements in the past, I have said to her, honey, just say to Benji or to Suzanne or to Amy what you want done and put a period. <laughs> Don't go on and on and on and on, which can be the nature of any of us if we're not thinking. Right. You know, I call that going past the solution. Too many words. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget the time that we were doing a new project with the vocal band, and I called uh, Mark Lowry. I said, Mark, you have got to hear this song. Because I, in all fairness, I think it's a, it's just a combination of your living life and being around real people and being around folks that weren't that real. And... uh so I read this lyric to him. I've seen a lot of crazy things done in your name. I know the tricks behind the magic show. I've almost thrown the towel in a time or two and walked away from everything I know. Ah, but I can't feel this emptiness inside of me or calm the troubled waters of my mind. So if you're really out there and you're listening, then prove to me that those who seek will find. If you can just see fit to show me some of who you are, if you can shed some light into this broken sinner's heart, I need to know the truth, and I need something I can feel. I need you to make it real. And I, and I hate to even leave, leave out the second verse. There must be a good reason why you brought me here. <laughs> <laughs> I've had people say, that's one of the most honest songs I've ever heard from a Christian stage. 
Because because we all came from a background where we heard preachers say, I know that I know that I know that I know that I know. (laughs) And you want to go, come on, come on. (laughs) Really? You know, I I, honestly, I got to say that I think the song that you wrote that's the closest to this in spirit is, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Because you know what? I think that in our most vulnerable times, our most honest times, we have to admit our doubts, and and we have to admit that we've seen a lot of what doesn't seem honest to us or, or real to us. But I also think on the flip side of that, we have a we have a deep desire to experience the real, to experience God in a real way for ourselves, not just watch other people experience Him. You know, and I can't tell you how many people have written in about this song I've gotten more letters on than anything else, because I just think people relate to that. I've seen a lot of crazy things done in your name. I know all these tricks. <laughs> yeah. What's what's the real thing? Because I know it's there. But boy, to be honest enough to say it <laughs> and confess it. And you think, and you think that throws God one little bit? <laughs> we say that. Too. You think He's up there shaking in His boots, <laughs> saying, "Oh, oh Lord, I, I made this creature, and she or he is doubting me at this point." <laughs> no, I think He's up there going, "Okay, finally something I can work with." <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll never forget when. Uh, Gloria and I wrote that, that tune, uh, There's Always a Place at the Table. And I had a good friend who said, is there a place for a doubter at the table, Bill? <laughs> and I said, well, <laughs> yeah, good question. I said, I said, well, Thomas was there. <laughs> and, and that's, that's true. And what was so beautiful with Thomas was uh, when he came in and said, oh, come on. This is not another one of those tricks. I mean, you know, you 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 know, you said you were the son of God and all that, and then I and then I saw you die, and and he didn't push him away. He didn't say anything sarcastic to him. He just said, "Thomas, come here, feel, touch." <laughs> well, I and I can't remember again the theologian who said that there are times that God really speaks to us through the thin places. It, it, when there are times in our lives when the veil gets very thin and and we can almost feel God touch God and then but the, the but the truth is and I love the church calendar because it has a time during the church year called the ordinary time most ordinary time you just sometimes pray and then you just feel like it hits the ceiling you're like okay I hope that did some good I'm not feeling it, <laughs> you know. And you, and those are the times, I think, when your faith really kicks in, because th- that's when you have to believe God, that something is getting through, that something is working, that this, that something in the heavens is is hearing your words, and whether you can feel it or not, whether you can see it or not. And then you add to that mix, There there are those among us who are just, Playing the part of the on fire, but they're kind of lukewarm, and then you had to you have to wade through some of that, you know, and say no, no, where is the real? But you know what? I I just have this thought that if you if you do ever confront what is real, you know the difference. 
and and you know the difference when you meet those people and you can feel it in their spirit. And uh, anyway, I, I I've gotten so many compliments on on this particular song for just being honest. And I would encourage young artists when they're writing to just sh- show your scars because that's where you really relate to other people when you do that. What what does C.S. Lewis say uh, 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 about pain? That that pain is God's megaphone. <laughs> <laughs> he used the word shout. There were two phrases, and I and they don't come to my mind right now. He but he shouts to us through our pain. Yeah. Through the uh, through the good times, he's there, and we and we love that. That's when we praise the Lord and <laughs> say He's working all things together for our good. Right, but, but when the valleys come, uh, uh, when it says he shouts, I think what he's saying is uh, he's very real during those times. Yeah, and I and just as a side note, I so appreciate Mark's vulnerability in singing. He he really related to the lyric. We've had a lot of conversations about it, and you know that's one person I know in my life who's all about being real. And it's a statement he really, really wanted to make, and I appreciate his vulnerability on it. I love the song. I love the song. Me too. Let's go back to the beginning of this conversation, Suzanne. Uh, you kind of hinted a little bit about your shyness. <laughs> 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 and if anybody really wants to know, uh, She's telling the truth. She's, she's, and to get her to do anything, and she, and and, and I'm, I'm not saying this just to, just to hype you, but, but you have so much depth. But to get you to express any of that, now you are right. Amy just loved the stage from the beginning, but I will never forget when you wrote this little thing called. Uh, Red Wing, I, I, I said, oh, man, that's so powerful. Would you do that? And and reluctantly, you said, okay, okay, I'll do it. And you read it, and it's, it, you know, it's about Will when he's a little kid, and you're wondering what's going to happen, you know, when he gets old and gets away from us. Uh, are these things going to be important? But it triggered something in Howard Goodman's soul, he listened. Mm-hmm. He listened to that, and I think probably Tanya sang "Look for Me, for I'll Be There." And he was bawling. He wasn't tearing. He was bawling, and he said, <laughs> "You know." And to hear this old saint say this, he said, uh, "In the middle of the night, sometimes the devil comes." He said, "The devil comes to me." And he says, you're, you're a fool. You don't really believe this stuff. You're not ever going to see Rusty again. Rusty was his brother who wrote so many yeah. wonderful songs. You're never going to see him again. And he said, but then I have moments like this. And I'm going to tell that old devil the next time he comes around <laughs> that, I yeah. know, that, that I know it's real. And you and Michael, who married uh, into yeah. the Good, Goodman family, Tanya, wrote this song about heaven, basically said. This podcast is being sponsored by the folks at Game Show Network. Game Show Network is dedicated to creating family-friendly, fun programming that's right for everyone. 
They've got great shows morning, noon, and night, and their afternoon block of original programs from 4 to 8 are the kinds of play-along, laugh-along shows that you can watch no matter who is in the room. Great to share with your kids or your grandkids. It's the kind of entertainment that will have everyone shouting their answers along with the television as they all watch the same screen. And these days, we know it's tough to get everyone to agree on, well, just about anything. If you're looking for entertainment that the whole family can enjoy together, the answer is Game Show Network. Well, you know, and in all fairness, this is a conversation I had with Michael and Tanya. One of the first conversations I ever had with Tanya, she called me, I think it was after Amy did her album with Michael, and, and I think Tanya had heard some of the songs I'd written, and she called and said, I would love to do a song at some point about my dad, and I just don't know how to, to frame it. I don't know how to do it. Um, and and so it, it was actually Michael who came up with this particular hook, the knowing you'll be there makes it easy to go home. I thought, oh, I, I can work with that. <laughs> but I, And so, yes, in my conversations with Tanya and with Michael, the other day I passed the place you always like to go, and I picked up the phone because I thought you'd want to know, but I forgot that you weren't there. I miss you all these days, that I'm reminded of your smile and the funny things you'd say. And then the whole verse about i see you most at christmas you were like a little kid that is rusty yeah that particular one is rusty but the more i thought about it the more i thought i think most people have have a hard time envisioning heaven or wanting to be there until they lose somebody and when they when they lose somebody they they say to themselves okay at least if that person is in heaven that's a place i might like to go to see my mom or to see my brother or to see my sister or to see, you know, once you've lost somebody, heaven has a little bit more meaning for you. And I thought, well, maybe a song where I started talking at the first part of the song about a person that we miss, a person that was larger than life, you know, a person that I think of every day and I'd love to talk to you, but you're not there. And then turn the corner at the end on the third verse and say, you left a group of fishermen, somehow you left me too. <laughs> and though I've felt you many times, nice. I know you saw me through. You've all, I've always longed to feel your arms and look into your eyes and talk forever, me and you, somewhere in paradise. And so the, then the, the chorus is, knowing we can spend a lifetime reminiscing on the past, knowing I will see your face again where tender moments last. It makes me want to go there knowing I won't be alone. Knowing you'll be there makes it easy to go home. That happened. But, but I, that, I, that, I, that, I think that, just that. as a nuts and bolts statement for most people, it, it, it makes a better connection when you can try to connect heaven with somebody they feel like they know, you know, who's, who's gone on there. Knowing we could spend a lifetime reminiscing on the past, knowing I will see your face again where tender moments last. It makes me want to go there, knowing I won't be alone, knowing you'll be there. Sure makes it easy to go home. (laughs) Words matter. Yeah, words matter. The right words matter. And I've said this to other people. Of course, I... uh, 
I fell in love with your mama before we ever wrote a song, okay? I, I just fell in love with her because she was so passionate about life and her her notes that she would write to me. In fact, her notes and her cards were so good, letters, that it really intimidated me at that point. I've written a few little, little notes, but I mean, I mean, it's like the mouse telling the elephant, uh, let's be real careful not to step on each other. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. But 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 here came you uh with this this same same sensitivity that your mom has and and Amy. I mean May, Amy is no slouch when it comes to putting words together. No, she's brilliant. Uh, she she wrote me a note the other day. Now now Benji is more like me. Benji feels it. And it, mm-hmm. and it comes out in his musical expression. Music, yeah. You, you know, I, I kid people. I did write He Touched Me before Gloria came along. But my writing would have been short, in all fairness, uh, had I not met Gloria. And contrary to what Mark Lowry said, I didn't meet her because she's a – I didn't love her because she's a great lyricist. <laughs> <laughs> I married her because I loved her, okay? Well, at, at that time, I, she was a great writer. I don't know that she had discovered that she was a lyricist yet. <laughs> yeah, when I read her – or I tried to read some of her uh, uh, term papers, I can remember one was The Omnivorous Cult of the Nonconformist. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, wow, this is going to be a great relationship. <laughs> <laughs> well, and she was always a great public speaker. I still have her award. She gave it to me of when she when she spoke even even in high school and and won some kind of national award for for forensics. So she, you know, she's always been a great speaker. It was a speech on freedom for high school kids, and the uh, and like. It, it it finally came down to about five or six kids, and they mm-hmm. had an invitation to the White House when President Eisenhower was uh, president. Right, yes. And he gave them the award. So, I mean, those are big shoes to follow in, and you've <laughs> and, and you've never looked at it from that standpoint. You just you've just expressed your own little thing. You've hoed it, as as my dad said. You hold in your own row. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> speaking of my dad, and speaking of words, a man of few words, right? A man of few words, but what he said matter. In fact, we all still talk about little phrases he said, and, and very rarely, but they had a lot of weight. When people think about speaking, whether it's just, in a small group or in a, in a large group is rather intimidating to most of us. But I think back at the Gettysburg Address, Abraham Lincoln was not the main speaker. The main speaker spoke for, what, an hour? Somebody said an hour and a half about this yeah. about this monumental event, and he just scratched out some words on the way. Is, is that true? On the way on the train, I know. I love that story. <laughs> And it wasn't a very long speech. What was I mean, it? we all memorized it in, in grade school. It's, it's not a long speech. But boy, talk about potent. <laughs> Words are important, right? Yes. Mrs. Wasalik. We need to credit her for, for making me memorize that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, honey, uh, 
And uh, boy, this is good. <laughs> this is so, this is so good. Uh, you want to do about five or six of these? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I probably after this, I probably have to go back into my cave for about six months, and then I'll come out later. <laughs> I, I remember uh, the first time I was singing a, de- a demo for Michael Sykes. Somebody else came in the room while I was singing. And I just disappeared. <laughs> he was up. Oh, the deer went back in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> now you talk about a man of few words, maybe not a few, but but we all quote the Michael Sykes lines. <laughs> Is that a great line? The deer went back into the woods. <laughs> oh, we lost her. <laughs> and, and, and you know, I don't know who's listening out there, but but if you're like me, I really kind of like to know what happened to FDR's kids. Not that I'm comparing myself to FDR, but 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 I'm always curious of what happens to people that we know and we respect, you know, and uh, and you know, and 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 some you know, but it, but. Uh, I wish you could know all three of our kids, and I wish you could know this one in particular because she is the deer that runs back, <laughs> that runs back into the. And I tell her so many times, "Hey, hey, let me run something by you. I am not a dad that says everything you do is great or fantastic. Is that true?" Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but. But when you but when you do something that is special, do you believe it when I tell you that? <laughs> that yeah, I, I'd say out loud what you say to me, but probably wouldn't be good. But that, <laughs> <laughs> I'll sue you. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's a it's a lovely term of endearment. So <laughs> that's the way I think. <laughs> The words matter. I mean, and and if you just spew them, oh, it's great, it's fantastic, it's wonderful. Pretty soon, you don't pay attention to it. But yeah. I guess the bottom line for all of us who are dealing with words, with what we do as a living, and I've done this now for 50 years, even when I was teaching, I mean, it was still, words were important, and there's nothing more satisfying. Probably, you know, the writing comments have been satisfying, but boy, when a kid comes up to me and says, I had you in 11th grade English class, mm-hmm. and you changed my life. Not that I was wearing my faith on my sleeve, because I wasn't. It was not my style. Yeah. My style was to treat everybody with respect, try to find the good in them, and try to inspire them. Right. And, uh, and you taught for a while, Right. Yeah, well, I, I taught at, at Taylor University. I've, I taught a little while at Anderson University, but uh, mostly at Taylor. And I love, you know, what, what they did was they threw me in the deep end. They gave me a world lit, okay, world lit class, first class in a J term. So I had January to teach you all of world lit to a bunch of students who you know didn't want to be in there because they were trying to get it over with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so my goal was, how many converts can I get by the end of this month? And it always encouraged me to have the kids come up to me afterwards and say, okay, I was going to major in, you know, Christian ministries, but I think I might like to go into English, you know. Don't tell the Taylor staff I talk people out of going into Christian ministry. (laughs) (laughs) But it just made me feel a little bit proud that they got interested enough in words to want to study 
you know, the, the great, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk a little bit, uh, talking about paying tribute to people who, who were the great. Could I talk a little bit about circuit rider? Yes, please. Because I got in front of me. Well, I, I think the important thing, you know, I have watched you for years pay tribute to people that you grew up admiring because they were saying something and singing it, and singing in a way that molded and shaped how you both write and the music that you gravitate to, but also the words, and then a lot of them were hymns, but some of them weren't. And the people, the style of singing, the convention style of singing, like you always talk about Stamps Baxter School of Music and how important that was to you in molding who you are. Uh, Woody Wright and I, and, 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 and I got to be fair and credit Woody with the idea of, have you studied these circuit writers? Because he's from a Methodist tradition, and um, actually he's from a Baptist tradition and then, and then converted to Methodist tradition, yeah, but he yeah. loved the idea of the circuit writers. He had never heard about that. And the more we started researching it, the more we realized that every denomination had their own little version of the, quote, circuit writer, although that was a particularly Methodist term. And talk about people for whom the words mattered and for whom the words were were something they were, were willing to give their lives to and did and suffer for the words and and go through all kinds of, of wilderness and physical elements for the words. And Woody just said, these people need a voice in this time, in this postmodern time. And so we just started writing a musical, and each one of the songs is either based on a, on a circuit writer and his words, or it is based on, on some sacrament that went on during that time, like baptism or sanctification, like refining fire was about sanctification. These were some of the, yeah, the, yeah. the sermons that they preached at the time. And so that is my little tribute to people that came before us in this country in particular, and and the way that they shaped not only spiritual history of America, but history history of America. And all throughout, clear to California, where you have Sarah going up and down the coast, setting up missions that we still use as as cultural monuments up and down the coast of California. And so, I mean, the, talking about words and the tribute to people who do, who, who say things that we need not forget, that, that particular project is very close to my heart for that reason. Two men rode out on horseback, said goodbye and until then. I should not be surprised at all if I, if I never see you again. He said, if you never see me, Make sure you tell my friends that I was preaching Jesus saves until the bitter end. <laughs> <laughs> That's an actual conversation between Peter Cartwright and, 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 and another and another minister. So yeah. And here's the course. He came through town at midnight with a Bible and a cross. He looked just like an outlaw, a Jesse James for God. And I wanted to go with him, for he told me how Jesus died. Come on, circuit rider, and let me take a ride. That's cool. <laughs> and, 
And 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 by the way, for those who have not seen this video, now this is a commercial. If you've enjoyed this brief television, <laughs> but but seriously, this video. How long is it? About an hour and a half. It's about an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a powerful history of these characters. Wonderful characters. Uh, in this case, men of God. Uh, were, were there any women who were circuit riders? There, there actually were some women who were circuit riders. I, I didn't, I did not feature them on on my uh, project, but there were women circuit riders. But you talk about a sacrifice. I mean, these men. Uh, one of the uh, one of the songs was burning, burning, burning. They had they had a message burning in their souls that they mm-hmm. had to share and. And you folks and I had very—I had nothing to do with this except we were just the platform to sell it. But boy, you did a great job producing it and getting to the to the real character of the people uh, who paid a big, big price to get yes. the, to get the word of God out there. Yeah, Woody had the best quote when he when he began to talk to me about the idea. He said. How many of these men and women rode out in this area and literally lost their lives so that I could sit in this padded pew yeah. on this Sunday morning <laughs> and worship? Because some, somewhere at some point, some little circuit rider came by a little one room, yeah, probably schoolhouse, yeah, you know, and then he went on to the next place because they they were itinerant. Our families had a dear friend still has a dear friend and I interviewed her the other day 95 year I think she's 95 96 now one of the wisest people that any that in our circle right mm-hmm. oh uh, yeah 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 Ann Smith Ann Smith yeah, yeah. and and uh, in talking about aging and uh as far as I know, everybody who's listening today will have to deal with this sometime or other. So mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole business of aging. Uh, and I can remember, I think I can remember her maybe being one of the first people to talk about uh, holding on to the things that are important and letting go of the other things. Uh, is, is that true? She is absolutely the first person that I heard say that. And so many wise things. Uh, in fact, my friend Joni typed up a whole list of things that she has been saying here lately, so I just won't forget them. And, and one of them that I just I thought about for months before I wrote this song was, she said, I think most of the grief in the world comes when we hang on to the things we should let go of, and we let go of the things we should hang on to. <laughs> and, and that's how she phrased it. And so I just started thinking about holding things close and letting things go, and which is which. And, and how do you know when it's time to let go? So there are times I think that you hang on to things for a time, and then it's time to let go. And how do you know? You know, how do you know which is which? And you definitely don't want to let go of the things that you need to hang on to. And 
And so I just, I started looking in scriptures and I thought, what do we hang on to? And all I could find in regard to that was when Jesus said, faith, hope, and love, these things remain. <laughs> I was huh. like, oh, well, okay, we, we better hang on to those things. Yeah. And uh, and in your song, you talked about specific people. She left like the wind, drove off in her car. You fell in the blank, okay? <laughs> they they st- stood in the driveway under the stars. Somewhere they knew that this might be more than goodbye. You want, you want to talk about that? <laughs> well, I just, well, because I have two kids that have, that have left and they're always in the process of coming and leaving. (laughs) Um, You know, sometimes you just, you're standing at a driveway and the kids are driving out the, you know, driving down the driveway and they say, I'll be back at Christmas. And you think, yeah, we'll see. (laughs) They may or may not. (laughs) But that's, that's part of the letting go. You get a kid to a certain age and you know, it's time to let go. And, and, And that's what gives them wings. That's, that's what gives them roots is to go off and have some experiences and figure out who they are. And, you know, so that, that first part is a verse about anybody who's had a kid drive off in a car. And the second verse, his death brought me here. He told me one day I would have stayed on had he not passed away. That's about my husband and his dad. Uh His, His dad's death was the reason why he finally said, you know, I, I, in fact, he said, I got a call from the Gaither organization and it was two years, a year, I think maybe after his dad had died and his mom said, well, Barry, Don's here and I'm going to be fine and dad's gone now. So I want you to go. <laughs> I want you to go. And you, you need to go do this. This is a great opportunity for you. Your dad would have wanted you to go do this. I want you to go. You don't need to stay here. And you know, that's so moving to me because... And pardon me here, but, but it was a time in our lives where Barry coming to our organization was a God thing. I mean, I'm, yeah. not, oh, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not just saying to you that because you're my daughter. He's my son-in-law. I love him like a son, and you know that. You know that. But, but, but the insight of his mom to say, hey, your other brother is here, and... Uh, You've got dreams, Whew, boy. That tears me up. I mean, just, I mean, just holding things close, letting things go. What should we cling to? It's so hard to know. And so you say, we hold to the love, the faith, and the hope, because everything else is on on alone. <laughs> so good. We keep we keep holding things close. And letting things go. I don't know who's listening today. <laughs> Nobody's exempt from holding things close <laughs> and letting things go. Yeah. Well, and I, and I want to read the second verse down there because it's one of the examples of things we need to hang on to. And that is burned by the fakes and the hypocrite smiles. He ran from the church, didn't look back for miles. Then he met a bum who showed him that Jesus was real. <laughs> you know, back to make it real. So you know, good. don't let that go. I mean, you can let all the trimmings go that aren't Jesus, and there's a lot of them. But don't let go of him. 
And you know what? I, I think more than any of my other lyrics, this particular one has meant more to me at this stage in my life because it's a daily now thing of what do I hang on to and what do I let go of? The bridge is releasing the anger. You know, the thing I loved about the Mr. Rogers movie was when the kid said, what do you do about mad? Yeah. <laughs> now, I think it's so great that we've, as followers of Jesus, we can now admit there are times that we get mad. <laughs> yeah. So what are we going to do about it? it, it you know, the the anger thing I understand. I don't understand meanness, but right. I but I do understand anger because I have to deal with it. I mean, it, it. Everybody I know has to deal with it. You know, so releasing the anger, releasing the fear, releasing the loved ones who moved on from here, holding to Jesus and His gentle faith. You are so good, you little rascal! I ought to kick you in the fanny. <laughs> <laughs> See that right there. That's the stuff he says. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Holding to Jesus and his gentle face. Holding the memories. Holding the grace. You are so good. <laughs> yeah, when you when you make the list of boy, they can't take that away from me. It's a short list. But they can't take it away from you. They can't. They can't take away the memories and the grace, and they can't take Jesus away. Suzanne, daughter or no daughter, this is life's stuff, and it's important stuff. Words matter. Words do matter. Yes, they do. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation, <laughs> the meditations of our heart, be acceptable in your sight. Oh God. Have a good day. <laughs> Have a good day. Hey, thanks, hon. I love you. I love you, too. Have a good day. Thank you for joining me for this episode of More Than the Music. For details on the Gaither Vocal Band tour dates, the latest Gaither music releases, and much more, visit us online at gaither.com. This is Bill Gaither signing off until the next edition of More Than the Music. <laughs> <laughs>